Here we are again. Thanks for joining us today. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you once again for joining us. Uh, I'm excited. I have a really good friend of mine. Uh, we've come to know each other for for several years now. He's, I look up to this guy. I admire him. The way he lives his life is inspiring to me. I always want to live up to what he's doing. Um, it's Dave Drosher from the Other Side Academy. Thanks Hi. for being here. Hi, Todd. Thank you for having me. You bet. You're the executive director of the Other Side Academy, which uh, we're going to talk a little bit about today. It's a fantastic program. I don't even know if we call it a program. Is that what you call it, a program? Yeah. Re-education facility. Re-education mm-hmm. facility that's patterned after Delancey Street, which uh, it, it truly is an amazing place. It's probably, I, I think I think of it as hollowed ground, to be honest with you. Yeah. I love yeah. it. But um, I'm excited for you guys to hear his uh, story today. I want to thank our uh, sponsor, Veracity Networks. Thank you for believing in me. That means so much to me. And you've allowed to get this podcast out to many ears out there. So thank you for joining us. And then, Dave, thank you for taking the time to sit down with us for a minute. Uh, It's an honor, Todd. Thank you. You bet. Well, why don't, uh, you know, I know a lot of people know you now. You've been been here in Utah for a while, and you guys have really made an impact on the state of Utah. And you're obviously expanding as well. You're in Denver now and some other places that you guys are looking at. Tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, you've you've definitely got a colored past, and what I love about you, Dave, is you're not afraid to talk about the hard things that you've been through. Mm-hmm. You're not ashamed of it. You just own it. It's one of the, one of the many reasons why I look up to you. So why don't you share a little bit of background for us? Sure. Um, so you know, I haven't always been the executive director at the Other Side Academy for many many years of my life. I was I was a complete broken human being. I was a mess. Uh, I was a drug addict for 27 years, a little bit over 27 years. It all started when I was 12, and you know, 15 years ago is when I put my life together. Yeah. But you know, from from smoking cigarettes to drinking and smoking pot and doing cocaine, and then found methamphetamine. And as a result of all of those bad decisions, I started going to prison. And I did a two-year prison term, got out for 59 days, did a five-year prison term, got out for 60 days. So at least I'd stayed out a little bit longer by a day. Uh, <laughs> one did day, a, Yeah, really? by one day. Wow. Two-year term, out for 59 days, five-year term, out for 60 days, six-year term, out for four months, 10-year wow. term, out for four months. So it's, it's, it's safe to say that every time I got out of prison, the day I got out, I was on my way back. And as fate Man. would have it, you know, as my behaviors would, would, would have it, after that 10-year prison sentence, I got busted again for about four months later. It was a really ugly arrest, high-speed chase, helicopter involved. Uh, I tried to, to get the cops to kill me in that chase because I knew if I got arrested again, I was going back to prison for the rest of my Forever, life. yeah. It was Damn. two, then five, then six, then 10. So I knew, you know, in California that, you know, I already had a couple of strikes that the next time I'm going to prison, I'm never coming home. So I took him on a high-speed chase that ended in uh, a pit maneuver and that cops commenced to beating me senseless. The last thing they said was, stop, stop, you're going to kill him once they shoved me up on the really? embankment. Really? So they were just pounding on you? Yeah, and you know, and I, and I don't want to make excuses for law enforcement, but I, I had it coming. Uh, yeah. They w- didn't pull me out of church for singing too loud in the church choir. It's not like they went <laughs> sure. to, to USC and, and pulled right. me out of class because I was like the straight-A student. <laughs> right. I, I intentionally tried to, to die during that high-speed chase yeah. when I went through the roadblock in hopes that they would uh, end it so that I wouldn't have to go to prison forever. Anyway, when I woke up in jail in the infirmary and then started going to court, the offer at that time was 29 years. Wow. That was really humbling, and it was it was yeah. scary. I was broken, tired, scared. And I'd gotten to a point where I'm like, what? I just spent the majority of my adult life in prison, and now I'm going to go back and I'm going to die there. 
And uh, so I wrote Delancey Street a letter. And for those of you who don't know what Delancey Street is, it's a two-year program, a re-education facility that's completely free that really is designed for knuckleheads like I was at that time, people who had been long-term drug addicts and kind of lived the criminal lifestyle, if you will. Yeah. And uh, they accepted me. And the judge told me no. Uh, when I presented the acceptance letter, and no uncertain terms, he said, absolutely not, Mr. DeRocher, you're not Delancey Street material. And at that point, uh, in finding my case, the, the deal had come down from 29 years to 22. A couple of the ancillary charges had fallen off, but my deal was 22 years. And then, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to stretch this out too long, but I wrote the judge a letter, uh, front and back, four pages long, and never once did I tell him he was wrong in his assessment of me because he wasn't wrong in his assessment of me. He had me pegged. I was everything he said I was. But I said, Your Honor, Delancey Street helps guys like me and they think they can help me and they accepted me. Why don't you give me a chance? I said that in the letter and I said, you know, worst case scenario, you let me go and I get kicked out. You can lock me up for the rest of my life or the next time you see me. It's because I come back to say thank you for the opportunity. And uh, I went to court a couple months later, maybe six, six weeks later, and sitting in that cage, and I was—I couldn't believe the words when he said, "Mr. Derosier, against my better judgment, right. I'm going to give you the opportunity of a lifetime, and I'm going to send you to Delancey Street." But you're pleading guilty today to all of your charges to 22 years. Yeah. When you split or when you get kicked out, I've got you for the rest of your life. Yeah, he's thinking you ain't doing. You're not going to do it. He did not think I could do it. Right. But I—that's what he said. But I don't think he would have sent me if he didn't see something. Something. There was a slight. Yeah. yeah. Something in that letter tugged on his yeah. heartstrings, and I'm thankful for it. That you know, judges, you know, they have hearts too. They have a difficult sure. job to do when they have to decide what to do with people like me at that time. Well, you probably appreciated that you owned it. Yeah. Like you know what your assessment yeah. of me is spot on. Yeah, he was. He was you're spot right on, on it. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't argue. I couldn't argue any of that. I just said, please give me the chance. I have never been given an, opp- an opportunity like this, and yeah. I'll seize the opportunity if you give it to me. So I went to Delancey Street in Los Angeles, and it's a two-year program, and I could stay two years and beat that 22-year prison sentence, but I ended up staying eight and a half years, two to beat the sentence and six and a half more because I fell in love with uh, the process, became enamored with uh, Delancey Street, yeah. and began to really like who I was for the yeah. first time in decades. Right, and uh, and then for the last five years that I was in Delancey Street, Mimi Silbert, the president, uh, bestowed upon me the responsibility to run the entire facility. Wow, two hundred and fifty residents at any given time, fifteen vocational training schools that generated all the re- the revenue. So you know, five or six years prior to that, I was looking at going back to prison for the rest of my life, and for a couple of decades, I was a complete menace to society. Right. And here I am running a multi-million dollar nonprofit, helping save lives. It was just an incredible experience. Yeah, did you find yourself in that moment going, I can't believe where I'm at right now. Did, I still did, do. Yeah. <laughs> I still do. Don. You probably do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, because like you said, I can't even imagine what that feels like knowing that you got a 22 years hanging over your head. Like you say, you're like, my life's over. It's mm-hmm. done. If this judge doesn't let me go here, it's, I guess this is what I'll do for 22 more yeah, years of yeah, my life, you know? Really fortunate that an organization like Delancey Street existed right. because sending me to a 30 or a 90-day program, not only would it not have worked, but it wouldn't have sufficed for the courts to send me there. Right. They're thinking that ain't going right. to do for you. So I'm grateful yeah. for Delancey Street and, and interviewing me and accepting me, and I'm grateful to Judge Pacheco. And I did go back on a number of occasions in his chambers and thank him for the opportunity, and we kind of became friends. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that, though, because I think this is so cool because you, you you said you're going to you're going to see me two ways. I either break the law again mm-hmm. and you're going to throw me in jail or mm-hmm. prison for life. 
and or I'm coming back to thank you. Mm-hmm. So talk about that a little bit. Like the when you went back for the first time, you know, you're going to see him. I mean, I mean, were you nervous? Were you? How did he respond to you? What did he think? All that. Would you mind sharing that with us? Yeah, it was. You know, I meant what I said when I wrote it, but I didn't know whether or not I'd ever get the opportunity. Right. And once I was in Delancey Street for about three and a half years, once uh, I became the the facilitator at Delancey Street, the equivalent would be the managing director of Delancey Street. Yeah. Then I reached out to him and I set up a time to go meet him. And uh, I think he was quite surprised to see me in chambers. And, you know, the first thing I did was shake his hand and I said, Judge Pacheco, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be standing here today. And I explained to him what I was doing in Delancey Street. And I said, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. You afforded me the opportunity to go someplace and change my life. Had you said no, I would still be in prison today. And we only we know where that's going to end. I'm going to get out someday in the future and just do the same thing all over over again because nothing changes. Wow. And uh, we had lunch. Really? uh, And he's a good man. Yeah. He's a good man. Yeah. I bet he was just, I mean, I would imagine he was like really excited for you mm-hmm. that you actually took the opportunity and did your best at it and, and yeah, stuck he, it out. He was. I think he took a certain amount of pride in the fact that, not so much in the fact that I did it, but in the fact that he made the right decision <laughs> or maybe a little bit of both. I'm not sure yeah. which, yeah. but you know, that happened with the judge and it also happened with Jim Mendelson, who was the especially assigned DA at that time mm-hmm. who took uh, the gang cases or big dope cases. He okay. was assigned my case and he did not like me, really? rightly so, <laughs> nor did he want me to go to Delancey Street and he fought it tooth and nail. And when I say tooth and nail, he was very vociferous in court. Really? When uh, the judge, because ultimately the judge has discretion and he did not want me to go and the judge took it upon himself to uh, override the DA's uh, uh, suggestion and he sent me anyway. And it took me a few years to get Jim Mendelson to come to Delancey Street for a visit. And when he finally came, he walked through the front door and he had an undercover officer with him and he stood at the front door at Delancey Street and he kind of leaned in and I'm in my suit standing at the front desk and I said, Jim, come on in. And the DA spent about three hours with me in a meeting in in our conference room. And when he left, he gave me a hug. And ironically, two weeks later, I was taking a a resident to court and I'm in uh, uh, Central Court in Santa Ana and there's Jim Mendelson and he sees me and he pulls me out and he says, DeRocher, I don't want to talk to you. And he pulls me outside into the hallway and he says, I won't mention her name. There was an old co-defendant sure. of mine who was looking okay. at a life sentence. He was already going to impose the life sentence on her. And he goes, she wrote Delancey Street and she got accepted. And rather than sentence her to life, I am now going to let her go to Delancey Street in San Francisco, not where I'm at in L.A. because we had a, a relationship. Exactly, yeah. And uh, he let her go to Delancey Street in uh, San Francisco instead of that life sentence. She stayed for nine years. No way. And she just recently That's graduated amazing. a few years ago. That's amazing. So not me personally, but my story and my success uh, – allowed the judge and the DA to allow other people with yeah. just as much time over their head the same opportunity that I got. And that's the part that really means something to me. Yeah, and I think when he saw you there, probably his heart probably had to soften mm-hmm. a little bit like, boy, this is working, mm-hmm. you know? And instead of like throwing you into the same system that doesn't work, yeah. you know, that revolving door, as we all say, yeah. Yeah, that that probably opened up that door for her. That's yeah. really amazing. It's it's hard sometimes, even today, with what I'm doing, and I'm sure we'll talk about that here shortly. Yeah. Uh, because if it wasn't for Delancey Street, and if it wasn't for the judge, and if it wasn't for a perfect storm, if you will. Yeah. 
getting busted when I got busted by this uh, in this city rather than this one being in front of that judge instead of a different one. All of the things that happened had to happen in order for me to be sitting here today. Yeah. And if it wasn't for that judge and that opportunity, I would still be in prison serving the remainder of that 22-year prison still sentence. Still now, today. And who knows what else I would have picked up in prison because when you do time in California, you never come home on time. Everybody picks up more time because that's the way the prisons are designed. It's it's what I refer to as high school with knives. It's really? a hate factory. Wow. Man, that... I. You know, you've mentioned that you, you know, you come to Wasatch Recovery a lot and talk to our clients here, which we we love having you here. And you've brought that up several times how, you know, prisons in California aren't like what they are here in Utah. Yeah. They are, they are, it's probably what we see on TV, the mm-hmm. rough and tough and, mm-hmm. you know, people hurting people and that kind of thing. Yeah. Got to watch your back. You got to, yeah. that kind of thing. Well, you know, it's primarily comprised of uh, African-American bloods and crips from the gangs. Uh, uh, Hispanic, Norteños and Cerdanos from their gangs, whites, white power and skinheads. And then you get a sprinkle of your normal uh, drug addict who gets arrested. But And then everybody's fighting for the yard. And when you say fighting in this state of California, people are killing each other for control of the yards, for whatever right. might be coming into the yards that they want some yeah. of. And it's just a really ugly way to live. And to say to live would be an overstatement. It's more of a an ugly way to survive if you're yeah. fortunate enough to have spent as much time there as I did and come out the other side. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting too is, you know, I've known you for a while now. You, you, you're like, you're one of the nicest guys I've ever met. I mean, how did how did you not allow that experience to harden you? I mean, yes, granted, you went to Delancey Street and what you're doing now, and I know you've you got several years away from that now. Mm-hmm. I get that, but I mean, you you could still be this hard, tough, you know, maybe resentful type of person. But man, you're none of that. Yeah, I think that I had become that. And the more time I did, the more violent I became, the more easier it was to to uh, hurt people in prison. And I won't get into all those details. Yeah, sure. Easier it was to fight and to use the weapons and to do the things that needed to be done in prison. The longer I did in prison, the easier that stuff became. And then I started to kind of like it on one hand and despise it on the other because I liked going into it and usually I I could articulate and justify a reason why I was doing it but it never really felt good after I did it so it was never really me it's what I needed to do to survive at the time Mm -hmm. I didn't need to do it it's what I chose to do to survive I could have just you know sat on my bunk and read my bible and tried to stay out of the mix and that doesn't work too well in the state of California either but it's who I'd become and I do as I look back on it now realize I was becoming uh, a, a far worse monster uh, the more time I did than yeah. when I first started going in. Wow. Well, it's, again, it just makes it even more remarkable, like you said, where you're sitting on, where you're sitting today. So talk about how you um, got involved with the Other Side Academy. Uh, I left Delancey Street in 2014 after eight and a half years, and I went to work for Burkitt Construction, which is a, a heavy uh, construction company, underground pipeline construction mm-hmm. in Southern California. And then a number of the graduates from Delancey Street went up to the Bakken in, in North Dakota and were working in the oil fields. And they uh, influenced me and enticed me to go up there because, you know, there was com- completely stupid money being made up there. Right. Here's yeah. a guy that had been out of the workforce <laughs> since the 80s making between ten and $15,000 a month. That's ridiculous. So I'm up there putting yeah. a bunch of money in the bank. And then uh, I realized that making money was fun, but saving lives was rewarding. So I came back to Southern California, mm-hmm. went back to work for Burkitt Construction. And then through a really weird chain of events, Joseph Grenny, our founder, and Tim Stay, our CEO, decided that they wanted to open an, a, uh, 
a replication of Delancey Street right. here in Utah. Okay. Joseph Grenny wrote four New York Times best-selling books. One of them is The Influencer. In The Influencer, a chapter featured Mimi Silbert, who was the president of Delancey Street. Mm. Then two of his kids got into drugs, and that's what inspired him to say, that's it, I want to do something here. Let's go learn about Delancey Street. So he went to San Francisco. He brought a cadre of people with him, right. uh, from the prosecuting attorney in Utah County to a number of other people, and they came back and said, yep, we can raise the money, we can do it, but who in the hell's going to run it? Because we can't. <laughs> right. So they uh, decided to continue to look for people who could run it, and they did a LinkedIn search, found Charlotte Baker, who was in Delancey Street for 38 years. Mm-hmm. Her and I remained friends. She left before I did, and we remained friends after I left, and she called me one day, and she says, Dave, there's these guys in Utah. I'm going to meet them this Friday to consult with them. They want to start a replication of Delancey Street. Uh, if they're not crazy, is that something you'd be interested in? <laughs> and I'm laughing on the phone like, right, Charlotte, they've got to be crazy. And I wouldn't be yeah. interested if they weren't. She goes, well, right. I'm going this Friday to consult with them. I'll call you when I get home. She called me when she got home that Saturday, and she said, Dave, they're not crazy. I trust Charlotte. I've known her for years. Sure, she was yeah. in Delancey Street right. for 38 years. I go, really? She says, yes, they're the right guys. And... uh would you like to meet them? Because I told them there's only one yeah. person I know that can help them do this. Yeah. And I was flattered that she said that. And I yeah. said, yeah, I'd like to meet them. So Joseph and Tim flew to Los Angeles. We met at Fleming's Restaurant at LA Live where mm-hmm. the Lakers and the Clippers play. Oh, yeah. And uh, we sat down at the table and I said, do not ask me a damn question. Who are you? What's the genesis of thought behind this? What makes you think you can? And why would you want to? You know, in my opinion, yeah. I'm sitting in front of two do-gooders. But right. they were more than just do-gooders. Yeah. They are absolutely incredible human beings, both of them in their own right. For sure. And after that interview, I knew I was sitting with the right guys. And at the end of the dinner, they said, uh, are you willing to come to Utah and help us get this started? I said, I'll go to the moon if you promise not to quit in six months when it gets hard. And uh, that was over five years ago. Wow. I love that you said that. I, when you share your story, and I've heard it many times when you said, as long as you don't quit when it gets mm-hmm. hard, because you knew. Oh, it's hard. It's going to be yeah. difficult. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah. And obviously, they, they haven't. You know? You've yeah. been around. How long has it been open now? We've been open since September of 2015, so almost five years. Almost five years. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, give us a little flavor of what the Other Side Academy looks like and you know, one of the things I really love about that place is the principles and the and the 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 guidelines, if you if you will, of what you expect when someone comes there to live by. Yeah, I, I just I love it because I know not only do you guys preach that, I know Dave, this is something you live. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd love to hear that. So the other side academy, we're really a, a thirty month program: two years residential, six months undergrad as we prepare you to reintegrate back into the community. But for all intents and purposes, it's two years right. for the residential uh, piece of it. And we're ab- so the, our average student's been arrested 25 times because I want to paint yeah. a picture of who our, yeah, uh, sure. our, the profile of our students are. Long-term drug addict with many years uh, involved in the criminal aspect of things, mm-hmm. uh, which we all know is kind of the hardest population to help. Right. So we're residential and we're free which means if you walk through our front door, take a seat on the bench and we interview you, you start that day. Uh, or you write us a letter from jail, pre-sentence, like I did with Delancey Street. We yeah. go to all the county jails and we'll interview you. And if we accept you, you can take that letter to your judge and they can sentence you to the other side academy in lieu of whatever prison sentence they deem necessary. Those are the two ways you can get to us. Okay. But it's free. And the other thing is we take no money from the government. 
Nothing from the city, the county, the state, the federal government, rich mommy and daddy, Medicaid, insurance. When I say free, I mean free. When I say we take no money from the government, I mean none. We generate all of our own revenue through our social enterprises. Our moving company earns a lion's share of our revenue. We do about 300 moves a month. We are the number one rated moving company in the entire state of Utah. Look up other side movers and you'll be stuck. You'll be late to your next appointment because there's hundreds of five-star reviews. Now we have two thrift boutiques that also generate a large portion of the, uh, the revenue. And I've just started a small construction company called The Other Side Builders. Bathroom remodels, kitchen remodels, driveways, pavers, uh, fencing, right. things like that. Yeah. Those are the social enterprises that generate the revenue. And then we have food service, uh, corporate development, uh, and a few other social enterprises within the facility that don't generate revenue, supportive of those that do, and are ancillary to the others. Right. But that's when the magic happens because when the student comes to us, on day one they become part of the solution, not part of the problem. Yeah. Nobody is paying for their recovery. They're doing it themselves. They're earning it. Right. And Todd, nobody broke me or them. They did it themselves. So why wouldn't we empower them to fix themselves? <laughs> I love that. And, you know, if I can continue on, what makes us so unique and so uh, kind of the anomaly in this space is we're long, which means that you don't have to leave on day 30 or day 60 or day 90 because the funding's run out. You can stay at the Other Side Academy until you know you're ready in your belly to reintegrate back into the community and become a productive member. Nobody is ever ready on day 30, 60, 90, or in our case, day 730. No one's ready on a particular day. They leave for one of two reasons, because they can or because they have to. Yeah. Short program, they have to leave, funding's run out. Longer program, they can leave when day 730 arises. But we allow you the opportunity to stay if you need to until you've truly changed who you are and become the 2.0 version of yourself. Wow, I love that. And, you know, again, it's like, there's a quote that I heard the other day, uh, we are what we repeatedly do. Absolutely. And that's one of the things I love about your program. You guys do these, you know, you, I think, what is it, uh, 12 principles? Beliefs. You live by? Beliefs, mm-hmm. you call them beliefs. Mm-hmm. Talk about a few of those, but you guys do them over and over and over. You know, you're creating this new behavior system in yeah. the people. I love it. Yeah, like number one is you alone can do it, but you can't do it alone. When you become a drug addict and a criminal and you live that lifestyle, you can't do it by yourself. You can't change by yourself. Yeah. We need help. So, you know, you, you alone can do it, but you can't do it alone. Right. And there's, you know, there's 11 more of them. But the bottom line is this, if I may. Yeah. Drug addicts inherently, we learn, uh, we have a lot of things in common. When you become a drug addict, you become a liar, a cheater, a thief, a manipulator, self-centered, self-seeking, hedonistic, oftentimes violent human being. So I wasn't born that way. But when I started doing cocaine, I started to steal from my habit. And in order for me to continue to do that, I had to be sneaky. So I became a sneak, a liar, a thief, a cheat, all of those things. And the longer I did it, the better I became at those things and the more of those bad habits I learned all the way to the point where I was talking right. about the violence in prisons. Right. So now I have all of those traits. So do most other drug addicts. Yeah. They become those very things. So what, we're, what we've done for so long in this country is we want to address drug addiction and we want to address addiction as the problem. It's not right. the problem. Drugs aren't the problem. Behaviors are. Yeah. So the beliefs really are wrapped around three things. Honesty, integrity, and accountability. And what we do at the Other Side Academy is we call you on your shit every yes. day that you are there. Yeah. Until you learn to be honest across the board about everything, 
until you learn to be accountable impeccably. And the sum of those two things, I always say this, the sum of honesty and, and, and accountability is integrity. Is integrity, yeah. Because once you have it, if you truly have it in the core of your being, nothing else matters. And yeah. if you leave us and you don't, nothing else matters. So if you take the drug addict and you allow them to live in a community of healthy living long enough for them, them to learn to live in a community of healthy living and learn to be honest, law-abiding, accountable human beings, they won't choose yeah. those those other lifestyles again. Right. You solve the, the drug problem and you never even address it. Yeah. You know, I love that, Dave. Uh, you know, one of the things I've been telling my clients for years is if you're honest with yourself, you'll never relapse because mm-hmm. you have to you'll have to lie to do it. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I give you credit for this. You know, since I've gotten to know you and your program and everything you're doing there, I've been I, I share this with my clients every day. I say be honest, have integrity, be accountable, and help someone. And I got that from you. And I'm telling my and I tell my clients, you are re- what you repeatedly do. Mm-hmm. You keep doing these four things over and over and over. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you ask yourself those questions, and hopefully, you can say, "Yep, I was honest. Yep, I had integrity today. I did the right thing when no one was looking, mm-hmm. and I'm accountable. And I was accountable this morning. I, I did something wrong, and I owned it. Yes. And then I helped someone today. Yep. And that's your whole program in a nutshell. Yeah, I, I think it's also it's, it's important that. Let's take a guy, and I, I shared my story earlier, 27 years of drug addiction, in and out of prison. That's what I knew from, an, from a teenager all the way through into my yeah. mid-30s. So that's all I knew. That was familiar to me. Yeah. So I didn't have anything else to compare it to as an adult. I didn't know what it was like to live a value-centered life of integrity. I didn't know what it was like to go to work every day and bust my butt every day for a paycheck and go to work and have a good attitude and be on time and get along with others. I didn't know any of those things. So it, you, know, you can't learn those things in short programs usually. So when you come to the Other Side Academy or Delancey Street or programs like ours and you get the opportunity to live that for a long time, then all of a sudden, two years, three years, four years later, you've been getting up every day, you've been going right. to work on time with a good attitude. Now you, you, you're, now I don't have to ask you if you've done something wrong. You come in and you own it before you're ever asked because you're accountable to your yeah, mistakes. Yeah, I love that. Once you learn those things, now you have this two or three or four years of living a value-centered life to compare and juxtapose against your old one. Once you become this new 2.0 version of yourself and you have uh, uh, the, the experience, you don't want to go back to the old one and you've acquired the tools necessary yeah. to continue to live the new one. Yeah. But you, it's that those things take time. That's why it's so important that we're long. Yeah. And oftentimes longer if that's what's needed. Yeah. I think you mentioned to me, to most of your students, you call them students, they want to stay longer. Yeah. You know, they get done with their two and a half yeah. year or whatever that is. They're like, no, I want to go for another year. Yeah. Typically, right? S- about 60% of our students. Now, to wrap your mind around that, usually <laughs> drug addicts go to a shorter program, and whether it's 30, yeah. 60, or 90, on day 30, 60, 90, they're at the door, and I'm, I'm, I'm posing like a runner right now for those of you who are listening. And they're <laughs> like, they're ready to run back out to the very thing that chased them in. But we've got about 60% of our students asking to stay a third year wow. of their own volition, and they no longer have to be there because they've fallen in love with the new person they've become. Right. And they're a contributing member in the community. I want to repeat that. A contributing member in the community. That is so damn important. Because they've learned to be a contributing member in the community they're currently living in. Which means when they graduate, they'll be a contributing member in the new community. Because that's the problem. Is This population has lived apart from 
for so long right. that they don't know how to live as a part of. So when they come to us, they learn that. I often say all we are at Tosa is a micro community uh, getting you ready to live in the macro community. Yeah. Todd, when you get up every day, what's the first thing you do? I set my intent for the day. So do we. What's the second thing you do? Um, I go work out. Do you get? Well, do you brush your teeth first? Oh yeah, I brush my teeth. So do we. What's the next yeah. thing you do? Um, and then I get. And I go do my workout. Do you get dressed? I get dressed. So do we. Do you put yeah. your pants on one leg at a time? I do one leg at a time. So do we. <laughs> then we go to breakfast. See, yeah. Then we, we go to breakfast. morning meeting. Yep. Then we go to work. And uh, at work, we're to be on time at break, come back from lunch on time, go to break on time, come back on time. And during that time, have a good attitude. And we do it for hundreds, sometimes thousands of days in a row until it becomes you. That's what makes us so unique is you get to not only realize your deficiencies and the things you need to fix, but unlike most other places, work at the other side academy is the petri dish and that's what you need to do every day while you're fixing the interpersonal things you're also uh learning the hard skills necessary to go out into the community and become a productive member yeah i love that yeah again over and over and over doing the right thing yeah over and over and over and i I love what you said it becomes you Mm -hmm. you know it has to become you yeah i i was i read in the book i think it was the power of now where uh eckhart is quoting buddha and it's like or he says, stop quoting Buddha and be Buddha. There, yeah. Like we can quote all day long. Mm-hmm. We can lip service all day, mm-hmm. right? But that's what I love about your program. You guys, no, you, you don't talk, go do. Right. You know, and I, and I think yeah. that's one of the you know powerful things about your program. Yeah. You know, you, you know one of the things that really stood out to me and uh, that you've shared before in the past is, you say when when A helps B, A gets better. Talk about that for a minute. You know. Uh, Again, it's the things that all drug addicts have in common. We are takers, 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 takers. It doesn't matter what it is. We could be taking money. Right. We could be taking uh, drugs. We could be take. We're, we're just taking from people. And, and either they're going to give it to us or, or we're going to take it from you. Yeah. But God, we are just takers. We have no idea how to be givers. And really, that is the balm for our wounds. So when you first get to the Other Side Academy, we want you to focus on you, learn just the basic principles, the basic guidelines of the Other Side Academy, and then start giving back. Start helping others. I always say to people that the Other Side Academy is not about you, you selfish blah, blah, blah. It's for you. Then I point to the other person, I say it's about him. It's for you, but you have to make it about him. And it's for you but you have to make it about him. So Tosa is for you, but you have to make it about the next person. When we start making our lives about service to others, that gratification, that fulfillment, that meaning, that purpose becomes the balm for our wounds. It then becomes the new intoxicant. When you get to spend your day every day yeah. involved in other people's lives, and that's what I get to do there every day. Is my yeah. job is saving lives, and I get yeah. to. I don't do it myself. I've got a great team uh, that I rely on that does a lot of the heavy lifting. But together, we get to be a part of other people's lives, and then the students see that that's what we do, and we impart that on them. And then it's up to the students to help. You know, if you've been there for three months, four months, one year, two years, your job is now to help the younger students to 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 pay it forward and to give yeah. back. And it's amazing to see the transformation when someone comes in just completely self-consumed, right. self-absorbed. For sure. And I'm holding the planet right now and I'm circling the planet. <laughs> we think that you know the, the world revolves around us yeah. when they start making their lives about helping other people. That's when you start to see people truly change. 
Wow, I love that. That's so powerful, Dave. You know, there's a lot of principles that you go. I want to talk about one more, and then there's a couple other things I want to get into because there's so much I want to talk to you about. But there's another principle you guys live by, and you mentioned it a little bit already, but you, 200% accountability. Mm-hmm. Explain that because what you know isn't 100% enough? Absolutely not. 200% accountability means that I am 100% accountable for myself and I'm 100% accountable for you. Mm. While you're with us at the Other Side Academy, if I ask somebody at the Other Side Academy, why are you here? To change. Okay, cool. So if I see you do something wrong and I don't say something, am I hurting you or am I helping you? You're hurting me. Cool. So if I see you do something, I'm going to say something. Right. So now okay. you have to live by the same standard. Yeah. If people uh, at the Other Side Academy are all there to change and one of the students sees another student do something wrong and they don't say something, they're allowing the person to kill themselves because that sneaky behavior or whatever they're doing is the very thing they've come here to change. And if you won't say something on their behalf to help them get the help that they need, how can you expect somebody else to do it for you? So we want you to be 200% accountable. And if you see something, say something. That's why we've been in existence for five years and we've never given a dirty drug test in our entire existence at the Other Side Academy. That's amazing. Because the culture is so strong. And, you know, in your family, if you are living at home and you're the big brother and you're 15 years old and your nine-year-old brother takes off out the front door and runs across the street, are you going to say something? Hey, 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 stop, stop. Yeah. You're going to say something, right? Right. What's the difference? Then you're going to tell mom and dad, mom, dad, Jeff, he ran out the door and man, he hit the sidewalk running and I barely was able to stop him. Then mom and dad are going to sit down and they're going to coach uh, uh, your little brother to not do that. You just saved his life. It's the same principle. If you see something, say something. And what that also teaches you to do is it teaches you to have boundaries. So let's say you're a student at the Other Side Academy and... Uh, the men and women aren't allowed to talk to each other for their entire stay, but it's actually a year. But let's say you see them doing it at six months and you don't say anything. And then a couple weeks later, you find out that that guy and girl ran off in a room someplace and they were doing the nasty, right? Mm-hmm. And you go, oh my God, I saw them talking by themselves over here and I didn't say anything. Now they've both split and they're on the way back to prison. You have to carry that. Yeah. Had you said something yeah, and that would have got addressed, they would both still be there getting wow. the help they need, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. So it's so important to set firm boundaries and say something when you see somebody doing something wrong. Yeah, and I love that. I think ultimately if we really do care about someone, we're going to say something. Love is truth. It is, 100%. And yep. even, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot too, and I know you're, you you think the same way, is do you want me to be honest or you want me to be nice? Yeah. Which one do you want? And every time I ask a client that, they're like, no, be honest. Okay, mm-hmm. honest isn't always nice. Right. And so, yeah, and I love that. Um, Let's shift gears just a little bit because there's a lot to talk about. You know, the Other Side Academy, like I said, is making a really good, beautiful impact on the state of Utah. The program's amazing. You know, and listeners, if you've never been to the Other Side Academy, I'm telling you, this is my experience. When I step foot on that, that property, it is like, I don't know what it is, but this energy, this love, this, this, this goodness just permeates every cell of my body. Mm. And I'm not just saying that. I, 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 I've been there several times. It's amazing. And you guys are just doing a fantastic thing. I know that we were talking off the air before we started this, that one of the things you're doing to help in the community with the police officers and you know, kind of the current situation that's going on in this yeah. country, will you explain kind of what you guys are doing and how you're trying to help you know, the community with that? Um, we do a lot of service projects for yeah. different nonprofits 
uh, Habitat for Humanity, uh, mm -hmm. The In Between, Girls on the Run, yeah. Cancer Society, uh, Food Truck Face Off, where a lot of that money goes to, to nonprofits, Fourth Street Clinic. Yeah. That's just to name a few. There's so many that we do service projects for pro bono. Um, when the riots started because of the unfortunate circumstance of the whole George Floyd incident right. a couple of months ago, the night that the rioting, the rioting was happening in Salt Lake City, I was watching the news and, and I had a lump in my throat. I was in tears at what was happening in our city as, as you know, protesting is super, super important and there's a place for it and, and it needs to happen. Yeah. Uh, but the violence didn't need to happen and they were yeah. tearing, rolling cop cars over and burning property and breaking windows and hurting people. And I, I reached out to the mayor on Sunday morning and I said, listen, Aaron, um, I would like to help take our streets back. Uh, that's not to say that the writers won't be back and they've got a right to, to protest, yeah. but I think we need to clean them up and, uh, and if nothing else, come out, pick everything up and get the streets back to normal. And she loved the idea and she allowed me to go and I took all hundred students at the time and we went to downtown Salt Lake City with trash bags and we just canvassed the area for a few hours and picked up all the trash. Really? Were the rioters back the same night? Absolutely. But what, it, what we're trying to teach the students is no matter what is going on, you always want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And we ran into a lot of law enforcement because it was the very next morning and they took pictures with us and they were kind to us and we were to them. And make no mistake about it, I don't want to make excuses for law enforcement, right. but you know there are bad actors in every organization. For sure. yeah. In schools, in the church, police yep. department, in uh, sports, it doesn't matter. There are bad actors everywhere. Right. But by and large, the police, by and large, are wonderful, wonderful people. And that's coming from someone like me, who had a <laughs> lot of encounters with the police and, and, and didn't right. always turn out well. Yeah. I still understood how difficult their job was, especially as it pertains to chasing down people like I once was. Wow. So we, we did that piece yeah. uh, for the city. And then two weeks after that, uh, right next door to our facility is the Masonic Temple. It's a rare, really large parking lot. Yeah. It is directly adjacent to our property. They butt up against each other. And that was a command center for law enforcement. Salt Lake City Police, UTA Police, Weber County, Utah County, FBI, Bomb Squad, uh, National Guard. They were all there because the writing was still pretty bad. Yeah. And I was having dinner with uh, Mandy, my fiance's family, and it was about 6.30 at night. And our mayor called and she says, Dave, I'm sorry to call you on a Saturday night. She don't have to be sorry. What what's going on, Mayor? She <laughs> says, "Would you be willing to take your students next door and just thank the men and women of law enforcement?" And I said, "You bet I will." She knows how I feel about law enforcement. Right, I have right. law enforcement. I have the police come over to our facility to have lunch and dinner with our students. I'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. Countless times, but I got done with dinner. Uh, Mandy and I went home. I met with all of my students in the dining room. Told them what we were about to go do, and I says, "If you want to, come with us. If you don't," I understand, yeah. you know, because everybody is, has a right to their opinion and how they feel. And it was pouring rain, and 100 of us walked next door. They didn't know we were coming yet. Word hadn't got to command center. And as we got over there, all of the police officers and riot gear were still in their vans and their tactical uh, right. uh, vehicles. And here we come. They don't know if we're friend or foe. Oh, and they yeah. come <laughs> pouring out of the vehicles before I can get them to calm down. Yeah, they're like, oh. It was a great scene. And finally, I got them to calm down. And I asked for the gentleman in charge, whose name was Nick. And you could literally, in the rain, you could feel the energy sucked away from it as everybody wow. just kind of let their guards down. And then I spent about five minutes talking to law enforcement about what they mean to me personally, uh, our community, and how important the work is that they do. 
and it was raining and you could still see some of the police officers crying, some of our wow. students crying. And luckily, some of my other students uh, caught some of it on tape and I made a little video. It was one of the most impactful moments of my entire life to bring wow. these two opposing forces together yeah. and to say thank you because it is a really ugly time for law enforcement for right sure. now. And in yeah. some regards, uh, uh, there's, 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 there's some validity to some yeah. of the changes that need to be made. Yeah. But, you know, again, I'm going to say it, 99% of them are absolutely incredible human beings yeah. risking their lives every day, and they deserve credit. For sure. And uh, we have become very good friends with a lot of them. And to back up a little, I Fred Ross, who's the chief of police for the UTA, yeah. is a personal friend of mine now. He'll be at my wedding. And uh, he comes over. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. And I, I only say that Mandy because as well. yeah, I only say that because we've become that good of friends. We yeah. do lunch. We talk about personal things. He's just a good human For being, sure. and he's allowed his uh, police officers to come over to our facility and have lunch and dinner with the students. And it's magical because they'll be sitting there having lunch. There might be fifteen officers deep in full gear, uh, uh, mind you. Right. And I'll stop them mid meal, and I'll say, "Students, when was the last time you sat down with law enforcement and broke bread?" Law enforcement, wow. when was the last time you sat down with this population and broke bread? And the answer on both sides is never. Never. Yeah. So what it does is it breaks that that that, that fear. Yeah. And the students then become, they realize that the police officers are human beings too. And the police officers get to see that change is possible. And as a result of many of these interactions that we've had, oftentimes now when the police uh, encounter somebody who's been arrested countless times, Rather than take them straight to jail, they call me and I talk to them on the phone and they bring them and they have them take a seat on the bench and we interview them and we get the jail right out of the way and they come in for an interview and we can then help them change rather than incarcerate them one more time. I'm not saying jail isn't needed because it is. It was right. needed every time I got arrested and it's needed for many. But <laughs> sure. for those who just need something different, anyway, with all that said, it breaks those barriers when we bring opposing forces together and uh, cooler minds prevail. And we can talk through some of the differences and people start to realize that we're all the same. Yeah. We're all the same. Yep. Wow. You know, listeners, this is why I love Dave. This is why I love the Other Side Academy because of what you, not only what you guys do, but who you are. It's just amazing. I just, I, I don't know. It's it's a really powerful thing. So Dave, what is your... What does your day look like? I mean, you've you've done a TED talk. You go around. You speak all over the country. You're you're doing things that you probably never dreamed of when you're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, in the prison cell. But you're doing all these amazing things right now. What does what does a day look like for you? And you know, how do you kind of keep yourself you know centered still? You know, every day, my I get the most enjoyment with my students mm -hmm. talking to them early morning I'll, you know I'll get up at yeah. four I'll be at my office by 5:30 and I'll have students in my office yeah. and we'll be just be you know <laughs> talking about the things they're going through or the changes they need to make and yeah. coaching and mentoring and coaching and mentoring and you know I'm connected to all of them and it's that's where I get most of my satisfaction and that keeps me grounded yeah. Now that's just that piece. I also have staff. I've got a second facility in Denver that uh, yeah. is being ran by Lola Strong, She's and awesome. I oversee uh, that facility. We're getting ready to open other facilities in the country. I do a lot of community outreach, bringing the community in so they can learn about what we're doing, so we can help not just our students but others. So my day is just full of people. 
Yeah. My day is full of people, whether they're students, whether it's uh, the judicial community, whether it's law enforcement, right. whether it's people that want to learn about what we're doing, coming for tours. But you know, ultimately, it's just how can we influence more people to change? How can we influence more people to want to 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 do more in the community? Yeah, you know, it's just it. My days are just consumed with that kind of stuff and what we're doing right now. Yeah, uh, doing doing podcasts and doing presentations and uh, uh, informing other people, businesses, uh, lawyers, DAs, judges, just a, about who we are, who we help, and how we do it. Yeah. Going back to bed, at, you know, when I go to bed at night, wondering what could I have done better? Uh, who else do I need to talk to tomorrow? Yeah. There's no greater feeling than knowing that your life is about helping other people. This isn't a job. It's not a job. It's a calling. Yeah, it's a calling. Every day I just get to spend my day uh, helping get people get from where I once was to where I'm at. And even organizations, you know, we, we do a lot of presentations for corporate America yeah, sure. who can implement a lot of our principles to become better at what they do. Cause we all know corporate America is broken. Oh yeah. It's broken <laughs> because nobody yeah. says anything. Yeah. You know, could you imagine if, you know, somebody would have said something when Harvey Weinstein was marching all those young girls up to his hotel, how many lives wouldn't have been negatively affected? Right. Could you imagine if somebody would have said something to Wells Fargo between, before, you know, tens of thousands of fictitious accounts were opened up and millions of dollars were built or whatever that looked like. Yeah. If you see something, say something. So every day I get to teach people to have boundaries and to say something when they see something that isn't right wow. and to stand up for what's right. It's amazing. It's, you know, it's hard to quantify in words and articulate what my day looks like. Yeah. It, it, it's people. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing, Dave. Seriously, you're amazing. Um, I, if, if there's someone listening to this right now, let's say, and I have a lot of listeners who have been through recovery or they're back and forth in recovery. They're mm -hmm. all over, they're struggling. They, they've been in and out of jail or prison. If, if there's someone listening to you right now and they're struggling and they're just, they're not sure what to do, they feel maybe even hopeless. What, what's some advice that you could give them right now? If they're, if they're listening to you right now, what would you tell them? You know, if, if you listen to the whole podcast, you heard my story earlier, yeah. That was hopeless, right. but I still never gave up hope. Trust and believe I was hopeless, but I never gave up hope. Mm. So that's just the story you tell yourself. If you're hopeless, you're not. That's the story you tell yourself, which is allowing you to continue in that train of thought. Yeah. If you want, if you have just an, an, an iota of hope, a tiny little spark in that belly, ask for help. Reach out, call me, call the Other Side Academy, come in for an interview. Uh, if you're not in the if you're not in the state, call. We'll interview you over the phone. We'll help mm -hmm. you get to us. There's always hope. All you have to do is put down your pride. Put down your pride. Ask for help. You can't right. do it on your own. If you could, you wouldn't be in this position. You'd already done it. <laughs> exactly. We're here to help. Yeah. So you know, if if you're at that point in your life, reach out. Okay, I love it. You know what we'll do is you know I'll, I'll post uh, your website and the contact information for the Other Side Academy in the description for this. Wonderful. So people will have that at the touch yeah, of their finger. Um, and we'll post this obviously everywhere we can. Um, if, you know, I know that you've you've gone from, I think when you even said it in your TED Talk where you went from like oh, you're taking lives, you know, not that you were taking lives, mm -hmm. but and now you're saving lives. Mm -hmm. Talk about just that transition and how, I mean, I know you did, but I mean, how does that feel to know that you went from that to, to what you're doing today? I mean, yeah. overall, what's that feeling? I, I think the, the statement that I made in the TED Talk, uh, at the end of my TED Talk was, uh, I spent the first half of my life helping people die. 
I intend on spending the rest of it, it helping is. them live. Yeah. Um, if it's true that there's uh, scales, uh, mm-hmm. just scales of justice, yeah. for many, and, and I'm tipping them, if, for those of you who can't see it, I'm tipping them uh, in one direction. I was a taker and a taker and a taker, and they were tipped uh, drastically in this direction. Yeah. And it took me many years in Delancey Street of helping and helping and helping, and I'm, you know, as the scales began to even out. And I think when I left Delancey Street, I truly felt in my heart that I, I had not, if nothing else, balanced the scales. Right. Balance but that's out. not good enough for me anymore. Now I truly believe they're tipped in the other direction, that I have helped far more people than I hurt. Could you imagine if everybody uh, who had a pulse believed in that philosophy that helping people, not hurting people was the answer. You don't have to go through what I went through and do as much damage as I did to come to that realization. Right. But if we all just made our lives about service to others and how can I make a difference in my community and how can I make a difference in your life, if we all adopted that philosophy, we would not be in the mess that we're in. Yeah, beautifully said. Well, I wanna thank you for taking the time and to share, you know, not only your story, but some insights and some principles, what you teach and live by. It's, it's remarkable. Thank and I'm you, so Todd. grateful to know you. I want you to know that. I, I am too, Todd. And you always give me high praise, but I love you, brother. And I love what you're doing. And Thank you. you say I inspire you, but you inspire me. And I think we probably look at each other as uh, <laughs> maybe as equals because the right. work you were doing yeah. uh, here at Wasatch Recovery and your personal work and these podcasts reaching out, you're doing exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm trying. You're to. just you just have a different platform. Yeah, but we are ultimately trying to save lives, and you deserve just as much credit. I love you for what you're doing, and for you as a as a person. Thank, Thank you. you. That means a lot to me. Thank you so yeah. much. Well, again, you know, uh, you're getting married. You know, shout out to Mandy. Mm. Congratulations. I'm Poor excited girl. for you. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck, Mandy. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Exactly. no, we're excited for you. That's, I mean, dude, your life is just amazing to me right now. And I'm really happy for all the good things that are happening. And I know that's coming up in August. So I'm really, congratulations to both you Thank and Mandy. You. And you guys are both amazing people. Thank you, listeners. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this. I know you're probably going, man, I want more. I want more. But uh, we're going to wrap it up. Please share this with all of your friends and family and anyone who's struggling, who, who does maybe even feel hopeless. And I love what you said. It's just a story you tell yourself. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Dave. I love you, man. And thank you, listeners. And until next time. Thank you. Thank you.